Yeah. Amazing. Amazing. Thank you so much, Chow and Megan. Welcome to week two of The Way Up. Come on, church, let's celebrate. Week two is going to be a fantastic time together. You guys doing okay up here? Yeah. Doing okay? Great, 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 great. Hey, you know, I, I want to go ahead and before we get into the message, I want to just speak on Highlight the City. Highlight the City is our outreach platform. And uh, I just first want to say thank you to those of you who have been generous and faithful in your giving during this season. Um, your giving has really touched the lives of, of many people in Gaithersburg and throughout the county. Uh, Highlight City is our outreach platform where we, we love our city, we love our county in practical ways. And uh, through Highlight the City, since COVID-19 began late March, uh, we've given over 1,000 pounds of food uh, to Gaithersburg help. Um, your generosity has helped us to assemble over 10,000 care kits to help feed hundreds upon hundreds of, of, of teenagers and, and kids who are, at, who are at home during this time, homeschool. Um, these, these kids, their, their parents are they're at work and they're just not home to take care of the kids. So you, you going over and out to man of food, our superheroes going out there to pack those care kits has made a huge difference in, in hundreds of lives. And we've also fed over 400 staff members at Shady Grove Adventist Hospital. Um, those nurses and doctors and, and nurse techs and secretaries, they're all on the front lines of fighting against COVID-19. And so if you are a healthcare professional, if you serve in that industry, we are grateful for you. Yeah. We're praying for you. And um, I just want you to know the best is yet to come. And so your giving has truly made a difference. It's truly made a difference. I do believe in this season that this is one of the seasons that's gonna separate those who really trust God, and it's going to test those who, who kind of who struggle with that trust in the area of finances. And so um, those of you who have given, it just, you just got to know it's feeding people and it's providing shelter and medication. And, and your, your giving is an extension of the hand of God, and it's providing the hope that many people need in this season. I know my wife and I, we've been personally drawn to give a little bit more than we normally give um, through the church in this season. And so, but it's been a joy. It's been a joy. Um, it's, it, it hasn't been a stretch for us, par se. Uh, it's been a joy to say, man, you know what? It's tough and it's tight right now, but we're going to trust God on a different level. And so I, I just encourage you to continue to trust God. The Bible says you can test God in the tithe. And, um, and, and, and you put God first and you can watch him move in your life. He's going to open up the windows of heaven. So what I want to do is I want to, I want to lead us in, in, in two ways to give, two ways to give. Just want to take a moment to, to, to honor God through the tithe and the offering. And uh, the first way that you can give is you can go to highlight.church slash invest, or you can hit the invest tab and uh, you can give a one-time gift or you can give reoccurring. Really want to encourage people to, to give that reoccurring gift so you don't even have to worry about it. And I know that many people have lost jobs and maybe you're on unemployment, but, but even in this season, you can, you can still stretch your faith and, yeah. and, and get on a consistent giving regimen. Yeah. Or you can text 84, 
three, two, one, and you can give any amount, put any amount in text to eight, four, three, two, one. And uh, we'll be sure to, to steward it well and to, and to get the offering and to get the resources into the hands of the people who need. And so um, just want to take a moment to do that together. And uh, I, I'm praying, I'm praying for God's favor. I'm praying for God's protection over your life. And, and um, I'm believing that God's going to move. And so let, let's pray. Let's pray and then we'll get into the message. So, Father God, we just we thank you for just this opportunity to give. Um, thank you, God, that many of us still have the means to trust you and to give um, our offering. And so, God, I pray for those of us who, who have stepped out, God, I pray for supernatural provision. Lord, you supply you supply every need according to your riches in Christ Jesus. And um, God, I, I pray that you would, you would multiply. You, you would multiply the offering and that you would bless God, that you would move, that you would open doors. And uh, even for those who don't have the means to give, but they desire to give, God, I pray that you would bless them, God, that you would reaffirm that you are present in their lives and you love them and you're for them and you've heard their prayers, and you're working on their behalf. So God, we just thank you for the opportunity to come alongside you and to co-labor, to change lives in this state, in this region, in this county, in this city. And uh, God, we ask that you would continue to give us the grace to extend your love to to the many people who are struggling during this time. And so we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, church, let's celebrate that opportunity to give. All right, week two of The Way Up. And uh, I wanna give you some context before we go to, to, the, to the verse. And uh, today we're gonna be taking a, a brief journey. Well, the message may not be brief. Now, it's not gonna be long, but <laughs> you get what I'm saying. It's only gonna be really a few verses on this character whose name is David. David, man, David. My, my wife knows that. And I don't know, lately I've been reading a lot of Abraham, so, but my wife knows that outside of Jesus, David is my second favorite character in the scripture. And like I said, Abraham is slowly creeping up on him, but um, we're going to kick you off with David. You know, the, the history records that between the age of 15 and 17 years old, that David was chosen by God to be Israel's next king. So he would end up being Israel's second king. Israel's first king, Saul, has fallen into disobedience, and God is is removing him from the throne. God is removing him from the throne, and he's just now started to become a little delirious. And he's he's becoming a little crazy because Samuel, the prophet, has came to him and said, you know, your time is, your time is, the countdown is on. And so with that, David, David eventually, he goes on and he defeats Goliath this Philistine champion. Um, David is eventually called in to minister to Saul as Saul is struggling mentally. Uh, David plays the harp and the lyre and the Bible says that he is gifted, he's anointed. And whenever he plays his instrument, um, Saul, Saul gets peace and he gets relieved and, and these spirits lift off, of, yeah. lift off of Saul. That's the power of worship. Worship leaders, you're you're anointed to lift depression off of people. 
And, uh, and not only that, not only is he handsome and he's smart and, and he knows how to play the instrument and he's a poet. David wrote the majority of the Psalms. I mean, he, David was the man. He also leads the army in many battles. He becomes the soldier who leads Saul's army to many victories for the kingdom of Israel. And, and his favor with God and with man is growing. So, so David's favor is growing. And through this, Saul becomes exceedingly jealous of David. And he begins to make multiple attempts to kill David. And so now David leaves the palace. And this begins a seven to eight year journey of David going from cave to cave and city to city. As King Saul and his army is approaching them, seven years of going from cave to cave, city to city. And at this point in which we're going to enter the scripture, David has about 600 men their wives and children following him from city to city, cave to cave. And Saul is pursuing them with the top 3,000 most elite troops from his army. And so you can, it's safe to say that David has hit rock bottom and he's on the run. It's hard. Life, life is hard for David and, and he's hit rock bottom and he's on the run. It kind of, kind of like in our current situation right now, it's like, it's almost like we feel like we're on the run from COVID-19. It's like, if we go outside, we're, we're kind of trying to duck and dodge, you know, COVID-19, like we're on the run from uh, this invisible enemy that we can't see, or we're on the run from uncertainty. It's, it's our hope that uncertainty won't, won't catch up to us. I think our biggest enemy in this season, and I've said it over the past two series, our biggest enemy and the biggest thing that we're really on the run for him is, is fear in this season. Fear, fear don't catch me. Fear, fear don't catch me. Fear don't catch me. And so David is going from cave to cave, from city to city. He's trying to find help. Everywhere he goes, this, the city wants to, wants to report him to Saul. And so David has to continue to go to God and ask him, should I stay in this city? Is it safe to stay in this city? That's why it's important to have a prayer life. Is it safe to stay in the city? And God says, no, you need to move on because this city, this king is going to betray you to Saul. And so David is on the run and life is hard. And eventually it comes to at the top of seven, seven or eight years or so, Saul begins to close in on David. Saul closes in on David. You know, if you live life long enough, that hard time will, will close in on you. Mm-hmm. And at times it can get the best of you. You know, that, that, that diagnosis, that, that financial fear that you, it, it can close right. in on you. Yeah. And uh, we're going to enter into where Saul closes in on David and they end up being in the same cave. They end up being in the same, in the same cave. And life is, life is hard. So join me in 1 Samuel 24. 1 Samuel 24, verse 1 says this, After Saul returned from fighting the Philistines, he was told that David, told you, he was told that David had gone into the wilderness of En Gedi. So Saul chose 3,000 troops from all Israel and went to search for David and his men near the rocks of the wild goats. Verse 3, At the place where the road passes some sheepfolds, Saul went into a cave to relieve himself. <laughs> so Saul, Saul's in the middle of looking for David. And he's like, man, I got to use the bathroom. <laughs> Goodness gracious. Oh, there's a cave over there. And this is funny. This is why you got to read your Bible. You got to read it, man. Yes. This, this, is, this stuff is better than that mess on social media. 
But as it happened, David and his men were hiding farther back in that very cave. Verse four says this, now's your opportunity. David's men whispered to him. Today, the Lord is telling you, I will certainly put your enemy into your power to do with as you wish. Life is hard. Life is hard. In today's message, we're going to entitle, I haven't given you a title for a long time, but I'm going to go ahead and give you a title for today's message. This message is entitled, The Way Up is Right. The Way Up is Right. And that'll make sense. That'll make sense later on. And so what I want to do is I want to go ahead and give you three, three things to be aware of when life gets hard. I want to give you three things to be aware of when life gets hard. Number one, be aware of this. Number one, it's easier to make poor decisions. When, when life gets hard, it's, it's easy to make poor decisions. David's men and, and their families have been running for seven years, seven years from cave to cave. You know, the, I mean, think about it, the amount of instability and inconsistency and, and lack of resource and seeing your wife get tired, seeing your kids get tired, running from cave to cave. These men are tired. They're, they're discouraged. And, you know, once again, it's kind of like the season we're currently in. I know I'm, I'm certainly guilty of it. I've been asking myself just about every day, all right, Lord, when are you going to do away with COVID-19? Yeah. Like, when are we just going to get back to, to some normalcy? You know what I mean? When can we really go to a restaurant? And when, when can we take off the mask? I want to see people's faces. I'm tired of looking at people's eyes. I don't know if they like me or hate me or what. You know, it's, it's hard to smile with your eyes. It's like, it's like, how do you just, just get your coffee and leave? You know what I mean? Like, how, how do, you know, it's, when is this thing going to change? When, when is it going to get back to normal? And, and, and you know, the, the natural reaction is to be positive, to be uplifting, to, to, to remain encouraged. Right. But, but, but you can only do that for so long before you start to become fatigued, right. fatigued. Yeah, and so some seven years ago, these men came to David and they're like, you're the anointed king you're the chosen king. If we just follow you, it'll be easy. You know, if we just come to Jesus, it'll be easy. It'll be perfect. It'll work out. All my problems will go away. But little did they know they were going to be on a seven to eight year journey of just cave to cave, hard time to hard time. And now they were coming face to face with the very entity that had the power to kill them. And so you see their reaction. What you see here is crisis fatigue, mm, wow. crisis fatigue. So they, they've been doing well. They've been fighting some battles, but they're tired. Yeah. And, and, so, and so when it's hard, it's easy to lower our standards. Oh it, it, it's easy to lower, you know, you want to be excellent, but when it's hard, it's easy to exist in the realm of average mm. and mediocre. It's easy when it's hard to to go home after a long day of work or after you've applied for that 20th job in the week or after you've you've gotten a call, you know, and you've checked on that application and they haven't called you back or you've had your fifth interview and you still haven't gotten that job. It's hard. It's hard. It can be easy to go home and grab the bottle and and to just kind of get wasted and 
and, 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 and to get wasted and to just think that it's going to disappear. It can be easy when you're feeling lonely and, and you, you're holding on to God and you're trusting God and you want to remain pure in your sexuality, in your body. It can be easy in seasons like this when you feel lonely to just say, oh, yeah, come on over. Come on over. Oh, yeah, bring some clothes. You can spend the night. It's easier to make poor decisions when times are hard. And the second thing you have to watch out for, and you have to understand when times are hard, is that you got to understand that every opportunity is not a God opportunity. Every opportunity is not a God opportunity. David's men said, now this is your opportunity. And, and I'm not doing it justice because I'm raising my voice, but it says that they whisper because Saul was right there. He was, you know, he was doing his thing. And so, you know, if they yell, Saul hears them and he calls his army and they're done. They're squashed. But said, now this is your opportunity. When times get hard, you got to watch the voice of the enemy because the enemy can use anybody. Now this, now this is your opportunity. I remember when we, 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 we were transitioning out of, out of our previous church, we, we had entered into the year of preparation to, to begin to prepare to move to start Highlight Church. And so I had some, some neighboring pastors and friends in the area, and we connected ourselves to one particular church that had just planted and launched their church. And uh, this was a, a great church. They... they they were growing fast and they were effective right there in the heart of, of Orlando. And uh, I, I, got, I got real close with the lead pastor of, of this particular church. And we were really just connecting to, to get the team under their team to learn and to prepare before our move to Maryland. And as me and this gentleman, we, we started to build, he began to bring up this idea of praying about joining his team and foregoing the move to Maryland. And, and so I, I already knew what God had called us to do and where we were going. And I knew the stakes that were ahead of us. I knew I, I had already counted the cost. I mean, the easy situation would have been to join this team. Yeah. There's the resource, there's the team, there's fast growth. It's ministry, it's the work of God. They're doing great work. It's in my hometown. I mean, yeah, I can just tell my team, we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna stay here, you know? And so, um, you know, and, and during that season, I worked the, the graveyard shift, 7 p.m. to 7 a.m. So some Saturday nights, um, I would work, and then I would get up, and I would go on to church. But there was one particular Saturday that I was just too tired. And so my wife, she went ahead, and, and she went to church with the kids and went with the team. And I had even asked you guys what you all thought, and y'all were like, let's, you know, let's go to Maryland. I mean, you guys are troopers, man. And um, so after church, the pastor asked you, he said, so what is your husband's decision? And you told him, you said, we're moving to Maryland next year to start Highlight Church. And, and just simply put, go ahead and write this down. Everything that looks like God is not God. Everything that looks like God is not God. And, and when times are hard, if you're not careful, you can see every opportunity as something that God is in. And God is not in every opportunity. God, 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 God is not in 
every opportunity. If the opportunity is pulling you away from what God told you, if it's pulling you away from obeying God, if it's pulling you away from growing in your faith, not every promotion is God. Not every pay raise is God. Not every connection or new cool person that you meet is God. Not every open door is God. Sometimes Satan opens doors for you. Sometimes the, 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 the most attractive open doors are from Satan. And what they really are, they're distractions. And, 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 and so, and, and, and Satan was, was, was trying to tempt David. He said, this is your opportunity. This is your opportunity right here. So, so when times are hard, you really got to evaluate the opportunities that come your way. Every opportunity is not, is not God. The third thing, when things are hard, you need to be aware or you need to watch your inner circle. Watch your inner circle. David's men said, today the Lord is telling you that I've given your enemy into your hand to do as you wish. David's men, his circle, his circle. I mean, they just got all kinds of suggestions. And, but we have to remember they're tired. They're disgruntled. They're discouraged. They, 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 They want change and they see easy change right here. If we just kill this guy right now, we'll solve all of our problems. You have to watch your inner circle right now because majority of the people out there right now, they're tired, they're disgruntled, they're discouraged, and they just want the easy way out. And if you're not careful, if you don't guard your heart, the emotion that's driving them, the emotion that's driving them can be the emotion that drives you. That discouragement can get on the inside of you. So the Bible says, guard your heart above all things, for out of it flows the issues of life. So, 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 so how does discouragement get access to your heart? Discouragement gains access to your heart through your ears. Guard your heart. Guard your heart. Guard your heart. And, and right now, Satan is using David's inner circle. Satan is using, how, how, how does Satan get close to you? Satan gets close to you through using those who are closest to you. That, that's how Satan works. He, he begins to work on them in order to get to you. Go ahead and write this down. You need a Jonathan in your life when times get hard. You need a Jonathan in your life when times get hard. Jonathan was, was the son of King Saul. So, so traditionally, he would have been next in line as king. But God didn't choose Jonathan. God chose David, some 17-year-old shepherd boy. And, and, and David and Jonathan, they became best friends when Jonathan was, was serving in King Saul's palace. And Jonathan saw the call on David's life. Yeah. He saw the potential on David's life. He saw David's heart. God said that David is a man after my own heart. David called, God called David a man after his own heart when David was only a teenager. Jonathan saw that. And, and so, and so a, about a, a couple months before Saul closed in on David, even though Saul didn't know he had closed in on David, Jonathan had paid David a visit in the previous chapter. First Samuel 23, verse 15 says this. 
One day near Harash, David received the news that Saul was on the way to Ziph to search for him and to kill him. Jonathan went to find David and encouraged him to stay strong in his faith in God. So the first thing a Jonathan will do, go ahead and write this down. When times are hard, the first thing a Jonathan will do is a Jonathan will strengthen your faith. They'll strengthen your faith. And then he said next to you, he said this, stay strong in your faith in God. Verse 17, don't be afraid, Jonathan reassured him. My father will never find you. You're going to be the king of Israel and I will be next to you as my father Saul is well aware. The second thing a Jonathan will do is a Jonathan will speak God's promises over you. Yes. So a Jonathan will, will strengthen your faith. It's got, trust God, believe God. Hold on to God's unchanging hand. A Jonathan will speak, will speak God's promises over your life. It will come to pass. God is faithful. God will bring it to pass. And the third thing a Jonathan will do is a Jonathan will be present. He says, and I'm going to be with you when it happens. I'm going to be with you when it happens. A Jonathan is going to call. A Jonathan is going to text. A Jonathan is going to take you out to lunch and pray for you and show up in your home and be there for you. I'm fortunate enough to have about five or six Jonathans just off the top of my head. I probably even have more, but I can think of about five or six Jonathans that when life gets hard, they strengthen my faith. They speak his promises over my life. And, and if they're in another state, they'll drop, they'll drop everything they're doing. They'll hop on a plane and they'll come see about me. You need a Jonathan in your life. You need to watch your inner circle when times get, when times get hard. Let's keep on reading here. First Samuel 24, it says this. So David crept forward and cut off a piece of the hem of Saul's robe. But then David's conscience began bothering him because he had cut Saul's robe. He said to his men, the Lord forbid that I should do this to my Lord, the King. I shouldn't attack the Lord's anointed one for the Lord himself has chosen him. So David restrained his men and did not let them kill, kill Saul. I, I, I love this. It says that David's conscience bothered him but because he understood that the way up is right. It's, you remember fresh water. One of the ways that the Holy Spirit flows is through conviction. So, so when Samuel came, the prophet of, of Israel came to anoint David and pour the oil over the king, the king to be, because he, he was anointed, not yet appointed. That oil represented the Holy Spirit coming upon him and empowering him to be king. And from that day, the Holy Spirit would be on him guiding him, leading him, giving him discernment. That's why it's so important that you get the gift of the Holy Spirit. And the Bible says that as he crept up behind him, he, he, just, he, just, he just cut the hem of his garment, just a little corner. And even in doing that to the king, his conscience bothered him. He said, even cutting the hem of his garment isn't right. Even that was dishonorable. Even, even that, that wasn't right. And, and why, why is David's conscience bothering him? It's because, it's, because, it's because David was a man of integrity. Integrity. To be integrous means to, to do what's right even when no one else is around. 
And man, oh my God, right now in society, we're, we're, we're dropping the ball on integrity. We're dropping the ball. This was a core value that characterized David's life, was doing the right thing. And he didn't always do the right thing, but 85, 90% of the time, David did the right thing. He, he was an integrous man. And th this sounds kind of old school, but we need to get back to righteousness. Yes. We, we need to get back to being right and, and doing right and thinking right and, and having respect and having honor. We got to get back to this stuff, man. We, we got to get back to this stuff. I mean, he, he crept up and he said, even that's not right. Wow. Because yes, he's crazy, but he's, he's chosen by God. He's anointed. And, and even that was not right. So what I want to do is give you three areas of life, three areas of life to do right by when life gets hard. Three areas of life to do right by. And what we can learn from the life of David is that he did right by number one, do right by people. Do right by people. So, so David is anointed king 10 years prior. And, and so whenever God anoints you, and as he's anointed me, he's anointed you all, he's anointed you, that means that he set you apart for a great purpose. His name is on you. His love is on you. There's destiny on you. Yes, yes. you. You've been called to change the world. You are anointed. And whenever you were anointed, that meant that your day was coming. His day was coming, but David's conscience began to bother him. And he said that this isn't right. David tapped into something. And I want you to go ahead and write this down. He tapped into the fact, go ahead and write this down, that we don't have to tear others down in order to be lifted up. We, we don't have to tear others down in order to be lifted up. And right now that's the name of the game. I'm down. You're up. Life is hard. Yeah. You're a target. Gotcha. You're a target. I mean, Saul is trying to kill David. David has every right to defend himself. Wow. I'm up. I'm down. You're up. So now I'm going to destroy your reputation. Mm. I'm going to smear your name. I'm going to kill your legacy with my words. I'm going to tell lies about you. I'm going to degradate you. I'm going to put you down. That's the name of the game right now. Destroy their reputation. Get nasty. I'm going to go ahead and say this. The name of the game is get nasty on social media. I'm going to post this about you. I mean, like, like I said the other week, I live in the comment section. I don't comment. I don't. You won't ever catch me comment. I think that's petty. I'm just there. But I'm there for the tea. But when you get in there, it ain't no tea. You better put on a bulletproof vest. Because it's shots fire in the comment section. And it's like, are, is this what we've come to as people? I mean, we're cussing each other out. This politician and this leader and this person. And you don't know what you're talking about. And you want to kill people because they don't want to wear a mask. And you want to kill people because they do wear a mask. And la, 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 la. It's just nasty in the, in, the, in the comment section. And we need to pray before we post. 
We need to start praying before we post. We need to watch our conversations with people about other people. If there's someone coming to you dishonoring another person's reputation, dishonoring another person's name, you need to cut it. You need to cut it. Do right by people. Honor people. Respect people. Love each other. We got to do better. Honor the, you may not like the person, but honor the position. And, and that's what struck David is, oh man, this, he's the king. That's it. Honor the position. Honor the fact that all people have been made in God's image. It says this here in 1 Peter 2.17, respect everyone. Show special love for God's people. Honor God and respect the emperor. So respect everyone. You mean the person I don't like? Respect everyone. Love. Did you hear the words of David? The Lord's anointed. My Lord, lowercase l, the king. This man is trying to kill you. And, and you still revere him as your king? Because David had tapped into how to go up. And he understood, I don't, I don't have to tear the king down because I'm already the king. So, 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 so God had already begun the work of removing Saul. It wasn't David's job to kill Saul. It was David's job to do right. Do right. Do right. Do right. Do right. And we've just, as the church, I'm sorry, I got to go here. I hope I ain't out of frame. As the church, we've done a poor job at preaching this. God love and God, uh, God loves you. It's grace. Yes, God does love you. And yes, God does give grace. And yes, God does forgive. But it does not give you an excuse to live messy. We got to live righteous. We got to live well. We got to love well. We got to honor well. It does not give us a right. We, we can't get out here. God love me and go out there and treat people like trash. It's, it just won't work. That's not how God works. Paul even says in the book of Romans, he says, yes, there is grace for sin. Your grace extends beyond, his grace extends beyond your sin. And so then he said, well, since we have grace, so we can sin. And Paul says, no, grace is not given to sin. Grace is given to do the right thing. So do right by people, love people, honor people there. I'm off my, I'm off my script right now. So I know the Holy Spirit's taking over. So, so if there's someone in your life that you need to forgive, forgive them. If there's someone you need to say sorry to say sorry. If there's someone you need to recognize, if there's someone you need to appreciate, if there's someone you need to celebrate, if there's a leader you haven't submitted to, you need to submit to them today. The way up is right. Come on, church. Do right. Do right. Number two, when it's hard, do right by your current place. Do right by your current place. David and his men are in a cave. (laughs) Oh, boy. It's about to get real good on this point. Because you know it's always a switcheroo. It's always, man, goodness. David and his men are in a cave. And caves represented confinement and 
in, in tombs. So death. And so uh, a, a lot of us right now, we feel like we're in a cave. We feel confined. I'm, I'm right there with you. We feel, we feel confined. When are we ever going to get out of this cave? Like, think about it. If we had to exist like this for the next seven years, Gosh. when are we going to get out of this, this cave? Yeah. And, and I, I, rem- I was pre-medicine when I was an undergrad. And so um, and many of you have gone to college. I actually just saw a friend. He, he just finished his residency. He's an attending uh, physician. I'm, I'm proud of you um, out there. You did. That's awesome. But I remember going through school and, um, you know, you have to go through Algebra 1 to get to Algebra 2. And uh, in order to get your master's, you got to get your bachelor's. In order to get your, your PhD, you got to get your master's. And uh, they're in this cave. They're in this cave. And I like to believe that God is very intentional about where he places us or where he allows us to be placed and, and if David is, in fact, the next king, if David is, in fact, the next king, if you are, in fact, called, and there's destiny on your life and purpose on your life, it, it, I would fail you if I didn't let you know. Go ahead and write this down. That first, it's the cave. Then, it's the castle. First, it's the cave, then it's the castle. So, so caves were places, yes, of confinement, and, and they represented death, but more so when it came to David and God's people, you and I. Caves were also places where God provided and he protected. So, so my encouragement to you, if you feel like you're in a cave in this season, do right by the cave. Do right in the cave. Clean the cave. Worship in the cave. Be excellent in the cave. Serve in the cave. Believe in the cave. Cry in the cave. Pray in the cave. Fast in the cave. Get into the word of God in the cave. Be generous in the cave. Do right. Do right in the cave. Because the cave is the prerequisite of the castle. And so, yes, no one prefers this season, but if you do right in it, God is going to honor it. He's going to bless it. God knows where David is. (laughs) He chose him. God is the one who's leading him and protect. God knows where you are. You're chosen. God's the one who's protecting God's the one who's providing. God knows exactly where you are. So now don't sabotage your future by lowering your standards in the cave. If you can clean an apartment, you can own a six-bedroom house. But unless you learn how to take care of that apartment, don't expect the six-bedroom house. Come on, church. I need a few hands to clap. I know that's preaching real good. So he's in the cave. But don't complain about the cave. Clean the cave. Windex the cave. Scrub the cave. Vacuum the cave. I'm speaking metaphorically now, but hopefully you're catching it. Yes. Come on. Do right by the cave. Do right 
by the cave. I remember when we, when we started our interest meetings. I have everyone on the stage today is our moving team. Y'all, y'all remember, it was a U-Haul and, and U-Haul van. Jesus, not even the, the truck. U-Haul van, just stuff all over the place. The only thing we cared about protecting was our TVs. And uh, it was a mess. And it's right across the street here. And, and, and to see where, where God has brought your church. Wow. Because as a church, we've always done right in the cave. The spiritual fabric of your local body of faith is to do right in the cave. So be encouraged. You're not alone in the cave. You're not by yourself in the cave. We're all in this together doing right in the cave. Jesus said this in Matthew 25, 23. These are the words of Christ. This is how Christ sees your cave, your cave. He says this here. He was telling a story, but we'll just use this one verse. Wonderful, his master replied. You are a good and faithful servant. I left you in charge of only a little, but now I will put you in charge of much more. Come and share in my happiness. This, this, this cave is a, it's a tight spot for David. It's a tight spot for David. Yeah. But we have to realize that Saul is a little thing for God. Let God take care of the breakthrough. You just do right in the cave. The third place you need to do right by, as I close this out, so I want to encourage you to do right by the process. So, so David did right by people. He did right in his current place, and he always did right in the process. Once again, 17 years old, anointed, chosen by God as a shepherd boy. His dad didn't even want him at the, at the, at the inauguration, the anointing ceremony. God wanted him. Because he, he was doing right when no one was celebrating him. When no one supported him. When no one wanted him, he was doing right. He was doing right. 17 years old, he steps up to the plate a few years later when Israel, under King Saul's leadership, they're afraid of this giant. His name is Goliath. And so Jesse, David's father, sends him to the front lines with pizza. And he says, check on your brothers who are in the army. Make sure they're doing okay. Come and report back to me. So David puts his dad's sheep in in someone else's responsibility, a responsible man doing right in his place doing right by the details. Wow. Come on. Details are so important. And then he goes to the front line and he hears Goliath spewing and defying the one and true living God. And the, the Israel army just like wow. under King Saul's leadership. I told you last week for week one with Naaman, 
that under King David, Aram was paying tribute to Israel. David was no punk. And so he steps up to the front line. I'm about to preach 1 Samuel 17. I got, we got to get out of here. Y'all okay? Y'all enjoying this? Come on, put, put your hands together, church. If you're enjoying this, give some hands, some hearts, some claps, do something. I promise I'm going to let you go. And he steps up and, and he says, who, who is this that defies the, the armies of the living God? And he steps up and he throws that rock, knocks Goliath out and chops his head off. And as a matter of fact, the, the sword that David now has in this cave is the sword that chopped the hand of Goliath off. Whenever, whenever David first ran from, from Saul, the first place he went was to Ahimelech, the priest. And, and the priest said, I, I, got, I, I got some bread for you, but it's holy bread. David's like, give it to me. God's gracious. David was breaking the law, but David said, give me the holy bread. And, and he said, I don't have any weapons here, only the sword that you used to kill Goliath. Right. So whatever God won with in your past, wow. he's going to do the same thing in your present and your future. You don't got to change it up. You can still win with prayer and the word of God and with faith. It, it doesn't get new. It's simple. It's not the Abana and the far par. It's still simple. And then David ministers to Saul. Then he runs from Saul. And in this very moment, he's still doing right by Saul and by the men and the women and the children who trust him as his leader. And a couple years later, Saul would die. And David would become king at the age of 30 of Judah. the southern Israel. After 13 years of doing what's right. He still doesn't get the whole kingdom. Mm. So good. Because he, he understands I have to honor the process. He's doing what's right. I need you to understand something. I'm gonna share this in week four, so I'm skipping two weeks. Any failure in your life is a result or is the result of dishonoring two things, people yeah. and process. Yeah. Any failure in your life is the result of dishonoring people and or process. So David becomes king of Judah at the age of 30, 13 years after his anointing. And then seven years later at 37, God gives him all of Israel. So the question we need to be asking ourselves as we close this out is, am I doing what right by the process that God has me in? Don't cut corners. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So good. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Ah, that was wrong. Gosh. Wow. Yeah. Don't cut corners. I, I, can, I, can, I can speak to this, whatever process, whatever you believe in God for, I can speak to this personally. You, you guys know our vision. Over 20 campuses in the next 20 years, I am under no illusion that we're going to have 20 highlight church locations across Maryland in the next three years. No illusion. It is a process. It, it, 
It's a process to take ground. It's a process to grow and influence. It's a process to receive the blessing of God. It is a process. Galatians 6, 9 says this. So let's not grow tired of doing what is good. Don't grow tired. Don't give up. God, God got you. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Do right by the process. I encourage you to do right. Church, let's put our hands together for God's word. And maybe you're out there and you're saying, you know, I've done so much wrong. And I I, I don't feel as though I have the strength to to do what God has called me to do. First, I want to encourage you after a message of doing all this work and doing all this right. That it's not about doing. You, You don't get God from doing. You get God through believing in his son, Jesus Christ. Turning, turning from your past, turning from your sin, and believing in that sacrifice that Jesus made for you on the cross because God loves you so much. So it's about believing. And then once you believe, you receive the gift of the Spirit so that you can do everything he's called you to do. That, that Spirit gives you the power to trust and to continue to, to walk out the life that God has promised you. So I want to invite you into this this new start with Jesus so you can receive the strength that you need. And even for Christians who are out there and you're just like, I feel weak in the season. I, I totally understand. Number one, you're not alone. You have a church who's ready to, to love on you and to push you forward. But number two, you can receive again an infilling of his spirit just by turning back to your Lord. And so pray with me. If that be you, I, I feel it. I know it's somebody on that other end of the screen, you're saying, I need Christ. I want to do what's right. I want to fulfill my calling. I want his blessing on my life. Just, you just pray this prayer. It's as simple as praying a prayer. Go ahead and open up your heart, bow your head and just pray this prayer with me. And you guys here, you just intercede. You just intercede. You be praying. Repeat this after me. Say, Father God, I believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God. Lord, I turn from my past and I turn from my Thank you for dying on that cross and shedding your blood for my forgiveness. I ask that you would give me your spirit. Give me the strength and the wisdom to honor you for the rest of my days. I love you. I am yours. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Come on, church, celebrate big, celebrate big. Awesome. If you just made that decision, that's the greatest decision you can ever make in your life. We're going to give you some handles. We are excited for everything that God has in store for you. And uh, we're certainly praying for you this week to have the best week you've ever had. And we're going to see you next Sunday for week three of The Way Up. Be blessed and take care. Come on, church. Let's celebrate them out. Awesome.